A very, very warm welcome again to everybody here at HTB Brompton Road and a very warm welcome to everybody at all of our different locations uh, around London. As you know, we are one church on five sites and uh, we have a really amazing opportunity today. Emily and I are going to be interviewing Nikki and Scylla Lee and... Uh, Many of you will know Nikki Lee uh, uh, has been on the staff here with Scylla, his wife, uh, since 1985. Uh, he is the associate vicar here. He's also the prebendary Nikki Lee uh, at St. Paul's Cathedral. And it's a huge, huge delight to be able to um, interview them today. They are really sort of heroes of Emily and I. And uh, I was thinking about 20 years ago when Emily and I first got married, before we knew HDB and the community here or the Lees, we were sitting uh, celebrating our anniversary, going through the marriage book that they had written. And the thought now to be able to interview them, they've written these two amazing books. They are obviously the pioneers of the marriage course, the parenting children course. And what we want to do now is we want to show you a little clip of episode one of the new marriage course film series, which has been just released. It was premiered on Thursday night. And here we're going to find out a little bit about their story. Over the course, you're going to find out quite a lot about us. So we thought we'd start by telling you how we met. I was 18 years old, I'd just left school, and I was going on holiday to Southwest Ireland. I arrived at Swansea Docks in an old green mini and joined the queue for the car ferry. I was fascinated by this girl trying to peel a sticker off the car immediately in front of mine, and I sat and watched her for several minutes. Then a great friend of mine suddenly appeared at the car window and said, Nikki, I want you to meet my friend Scylla and she introduced me to this girl peeling off the sticker. Well, I became even more intrigued when she spoke to me. We ended up next door to each other on holiday for two weeks and I fell madly in love. But I didn't dare say anything just in case she didn't feel the same way. I too had fallen for Nicky, but I also didn't dare say anything to him in case he felt nothing for me. Then, the day before I was about to leave to go home, there was a group of about 15 of us, all teenagers, playing a game in this huge old Irish house with all the lights off, called Bear in the Dark. Spelt B-E-A-R, as in the animal, just for the avoidance of any doubt. And Nikki and I just happened to find each other in the dark, in a room at the far end of this house, which was really my plan all uh, along. Uh, actually, I, I think I engineered it. Well, however it happened, that's when we had our first kiss and discovered that our feelings were mutual. So we started going out and then four years later, we got married. Our experiences over the last 42 years have been typical of many couples. We've moved house five times, we've lived abroad for three years, we've experienced the birth of our four children together, Kirsty, Benj, Barney and Josh, as well as all the hundreds of broken nights that followed. We've known the exhaustion and the joy of having young children, and also the worries and the fun of parenting teenagers. Our children have all left home now, and three of them are married with children of their own, so we know what it is to be parents-in-law and grandparents. We've had times of illness and financial uncertainty, as well as times of really great shared memories and lots of laughter. Our marriage has been an adventure of changing and growing together, continuing to get to know each other better over the years. 
I know, you want to hear more, don't you? You, you want to hear more. And the thing is, you can hear more. So please, would you give a very warm welcome to Nikki and Silla Lee. It's amazing. It's so exciting. Sort of he even hearing just a little bit of your story. So we've heard a bit about how you guys met. But how did you become Christians? How did you even come to faith? Well, it, it started, the journey started for us. I, I didn't come from a church-going family. And uh, when I went to university, I met this very nice Christian. And he uh, started to talk. We started to talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And that both... It intrigued me. I couldn't get my head around this idea. But I started to explore Christianity, but there were two people I didn't want to tell about my exploration. One was, I didn't want to tell Scylla, because Scylla can sometimes jump to conclusions, and I wanted to work it out in my own head first. And the second person I didn't want to tell was my best friend, Nikki Gumbel, because Nikki at that time was an atheist. Nikki Gumbel, yeah. just in case you... As some of you may not know, because you may be here for the first time. Nikki Gumbel is the vicar of HTB. Anyway, he had the room next to mine at university, and uh, Nikki had said to me, if someone who calls himself a Christian comes to the door, don't let them in. If you let them in, you might not be able to get rid of them. Well, I didn't tell Nikki at the time, actually, it's too late. I've got to know this very nice Christian. So this went on for me for about six months, exploring Christianity. And then I got to the point where I thought, I think this is true. And I prayed probably my first really honest prayer, which was, God, I think you're there. If you are, you need to convince Scylla as well, because I don't want to become a Christian if she doesn't. So that Friday night, I, when Scylla came up to Cambridge, I got her off, met her off the train, and I took her to hear a talk about Christianity. And she was very surprised, normally went to parties on a Friday night. And what had happened for me over six months happened for her in 24 hours. And uh, the following night, we both gave our lives to Jesus. And, yeah. the, and, and literally, we did it together. We both knelt down, said to Jesus, please come into our lives. And first person we wanted to tell was Nicky Gumbel. So we rushed back, told him, and he was horrified. <laughs> absolutely horrified. And Nikki has always been the kindest friend, and he thought he must rescue us. So in order to rescue us, he started to read the Bible to persuade us not to be Christians. But 48 hours later, he became a Christian himself. So, that's the story. So good, and it's been an exciting week. We've just launched the new Marriage Course film series. The most exciting about thing about that, Nikki, is seeing the different hairstyles that have happened uh, over the years. A pretty dramatic hair loss when you compare, you know, photos then to now. But just say a little bit about what you've been involved in at HCB over these last years. Well, we um, actually started coming here as members of the congregation in 1977, literally just after we got married. And it was very exciting. Lots of young people just, everything just starting to grow. And Sandy Miller was the vicar at that time. Then, in 1985, we, uh, Nikki got ordained and we came on the staff here. And actually, the first thing that Sandy asked us to do here was to run both Alpha and do pre-marriage with the couples getting married here. And um, Alpha was the only Alpha in the whole world at that time. We ran both of them in our homes. We started with the pre-marriage course with five couples in our home. 
and it has grown and grown ever since. And actually, the most exciting thing is now we run it three times a year with over 150 couples. And, and many of those couples are not from the church community at all, but wanting to come and explore, either explore getting married. They may not be engaged, but they want to come and explore what that's about, or they're engaged and they want to prepare. And that is really exciting because I think for many people today, they're looking for help. People want to make their relationships really good, and they're looking for help. And we're so excited that we as the church have these new films which are available for any church but um, to, to find out the very practical truths about relationships. And it's, it's great for us to be able to have um, you here right at the start of our series on relationships. And obviously, we all have relationships, whether that's um, friendships or with people at work or neighbors or parents or with a, a partner. But what would you say are keys to having really healthy relationships? It was so interesting listening to that reading from, from James and uh, how he, he talks about be quick to listen. And our experience has been there is nothing that is more important than listening to another person. And actually, if I can say this, one of the dangers in a long marriage is we assume we know what the other person thinks and is about to say. So we jump in, we, or we switch off, or we give them advice before they've finished. But actually, we've realized you have, we, we don't know what the other person is thinking or feeling. And that's true not just in marriage. That is true in every relationship. It's true in friendships. It's true for our parents. It's true at work. We have to find out from the other person and the, what they are thinking and feeling, what's important to them right now. What do they need? And the only way to do that is to take time to listen to them. And I have to say, I think one, I am not a naturally good listener. So I have had to learn a lot in um, the 43 years of being married, and I'm still learning. And actually, you know, marriage is a very, very good place to learn and to get better at listening. But I think one of the biggest things I've learned is, I mean, particularly in marriage, but in any relationship, is to ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Draw out the other person. And I'd say if any of you here have just started to date or you are thinking of dating, on your first date, ask questions. Don't talk all about yourself. Ask the other person. Go with a, go with a list in your head. Have about, you don't need to have on a bit of paper. Just in your head. But, just think of about five questions which will draw them out. Yeah. But the other thing, really, what I wanted to get onto was this thing of time. Because if we're going to build a relationship that's going to flourish, we have to give it time. And that's true for every relationship. I remember someone once saying, you know, plants, if they are to thrive and flourish and grow, they need water. And some plants last longer than others without water. But ultimately, if they don't have water, they will wither and die. And it is exactly the same with relationships. Unless we give time to our relationships, they will not flourish. We will not be connected. And that's why, A, the listening, but prioritizing time is so, so key for any relationship, friendship. And one of the best bits of advice we ever got was really a year into our marriage, was to date each other and never stop. So we now have had a date over the last 42 years um, every week in order to give each other time and 
Actually, it's the, I think we would say the single most significant thing for us that has kept the love, the fun, the friendship, the romance alive in our relationship over all these years. We really, really know the benefit of it. And, and, and that principle of giving relationships time is true for our friendships as well. I, I talked about Nikki being my best friend at university, and Nikki and Pips have remained our best friends ever since, but that is because we've spent time together. We spend a lot of time together. We go on holiday together. We, we get together. Now, even though life is really busy, and that has meant that we find out how each other's doing, we support each other, we pray for each other, we know what's happening with each other's children, and so forth. And so, and, and I think in today's world, as Silla said, where life is going faster and faster, that principle, setting aside time for relationships, there's nothing that's more important. And I'd have to say, I mean, the influence of screens, of phones, is really, really challenging because the amount of time we can spend on a screen, on a phone, when we should actually be in eyeball-to-eyeball eyeball contact, or as Nikki's saying, meeting with friends, sharing our vulnerabilities. I mean, that's one of the things. We need friendships when, when we're going through tough times, challenging times. And we've done that with, you know, all sorts of things over the years. And we've been able to go to Nikki and Pips and to tell them and to be encouraged, supported, and to pray together. And I think that's true for every single one of us here. But we need to take time. We need to put down those phones and actually be with one another. Seeing you now, we, we may be tempted to think you have sort of the perfect marriage. I can't imagine for a moment that you've ever argued in your lives. But for, for Emily and I, as we go through our arguments, when it does... Are we going live with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like personal counselling. <laughs> what, what about conflict when it doesn't go quite... Yeah, so I think it would be true to say we've had our fair share and... We discovered, like every couple would discover, quite how different we are. We're very different in the ways that we react when we get upset. If I can speak for Scylla just for a moment. <laughs> she is... All right, I'll come back in a second. <laughs> she is very quick to tell me when she's upset. In fact, on the marriage courses, we use two animals to describe how we react when we're upset. For Scylla's personality type, we use the rhino. Because if you provoke a rhino, it puts down its head and charges at you. Um, not always physically, but maybe with my words. Not always, not always physically, just sometimes physically. Just sometimes. <laughs> Actually, do you know, I, I have personal experience... No, of no, no, we don't being, need to go into that. I, I have no, no, personal no, no, no. experience <laughs> of being charged by a real rhino. On my gap year, I was charged by a rhino. It was the most terrifying experience in my life. I had no idea what good preparation it was going to be for marriage. I survived. Hey, I'm here today. Okay, I, <laughs> I'm going to tell you about his personality type. But before we do that, I want to say I've had to learn a lot over the years at actually um, how rhinos really can learn to calm down and um, take a deep breath and not charge um, as the natural inclination is. So I'm going to tell you about Nikki. Nikki is what we describe as a hedgehog. And a hedgehog, as you know, when it gets sort of provoked, it curls itself up into a ball and sticks out its prickles. Now, that is... I like the way you describe equally, that. So into a little ball. Equally difficult to live with. And I don't want hedgehogs to think that they're any more righteous than rhinos. They are not. 
we all of us, and I don't know, it'd be interesting to find out about you two, but it, you know, we're all of us somewhere on this spectrum. But actually we can learn, we can learn to uh, calm down. And the very best way to resolve these differences, to seek to understand each other, is to vocalize our thoughts calmly and pleasantly. And I think, you know, that word pleasant, kindness is a massive thing in um, a relationship and in marriage particularly. And, and as much as Scylla has learned to delay, and she really has changed hugely over 43 years, delay telling me quite how upset she is and to sort of calm down the passion a bit, I've had to learn to open up to say what I'm feeling when I'm upset because I'm very good at hiding it and often Scylla has no idea at all. And as you say, we're all so different. I think we've got a little clip from the new film series uh, about those differences and how we... Every couple is different and we have to learn to navigate these, yeah. Let's take a look at this. Andy's so extroverted, like you just love to chat, you love talking. I'm more introverted, it's kind of like a bit of time to myself. In the mornings, Andy would wake up and just be like, hey, how are you? What did you dream about? Well, I feel like I've had eight hours by myself when I'm asleep, so you just, you want to be around people again, don't you? But it just, it would wind me up. Like, I just felt <laughs> so claustrophobic. I was like, he's like invading my privacy, and now you want to invade my subconscious, like my dreams aren't even my own anymore. We are very different. <laughs> he's an extreme extrovert. I would want to just be by myself, have time to think. He just loves a party. He's very easygoing, go with the flow. I'm extremely good at time management. I'm a very sort of high energy whirlwind of a, pro of a personality. And Tony's way more laid back. So very much that wanting him to have, you know, more plans and more energy and more, you know. And I'm looking at him like, you're on a break. And, and as you can see, Hers is a mile a minute. And I'm like, oh, whoa, yeah. slow your roll, babe. Slow your roll. Back it up He's a little bit. He's always telling me I need to take oh, a nap. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, I don't need no nap. <laughs> yeah. He's more outgoing. I'm not, you know, I'm, again, very shy. We're completely opposites. Little things I'm like, you know, you like this food? No, of course not, because I love it. <laughs> but those, we've learned that the things that make us so different are actually our strengths. I'm a so can I just say, one of the things we've realized from these marriage courses spreading all around the world is that these principles, and these are biblical principles that how we build relationships are universal because they're God's principles for loving and they work in every culture. And I wanted to ask you as well, obviously you're married and we're married, but we've got loads of friends who are single, some of them who are, they love being single, they love it, they enjoy it, and others of our friends who, actually they would quite like to be married at some point. What would you say, what would your advice be to people who are single, particularly who are finding it quite difficult because they would actually love to be married at some point? I think one of the first things I'd say is, we love being part of a community that's made up of married people and single people together. And the, the, actually the relationships between us as married and single is so important. You know, in the Bible, uh, 
the Bible values marriage and values singleness equally. It's not that one state is better than the other. Uh, and they're described, St. Paul describes both as, as a gift, whatever state we're in. And when he talks about singleness as a gift, I don't think he's meaning you're going to be single forever. What he means is that now, your situation now is a gift to be used for others. If you're single, you have more time to give to others. But equally, if you're married, this is not just for you. This is a gift to be used for others. And I think within a Christian community, in a church, we, we, we should celebrate the fact that we can help each other. We've had single people living with us almost throughout our marriage, and they've been a huge blessing to us. And we formed great friendships and I hope we've been a blessing to them equally. And, and, and I think within the church community, helping single people to date is so important today. And to date in a healthy way, to be able to explore relationships, actually without sleeping together, because sleeping together complicates it. Um, just a, I ought to just backtrack on, I ought to just be honest at this point. Um, there's a little bit more to our story than we've revealed, which is that when I started exploring Christianity, we were sleeping together. And I had this sort of thought, nobody said this to me, but I sort of knew that if we became Christians, we need to stop sleeping together. And I was worried if we did that, we would drift apart. And when we became Christians, we did, both of us knew that God was saying, nobody said it to us, we knew God was saying to us, you've got to keep sex now until you get married. And far from drifting apart, actually our relationship grew closer and stronger. And we're profoundly grateful for that now. Yeah, and, and can I just say that we learned, I mean, it was two and a half years from when we came to faith to when we got married. And in that two and a half years, we learned a lot about, a lot of new things about how to love in the ways that God had designed, not just the sex thing, but just a whole range of things. I mean, the sex thing was challenging, and I, I want to say to anybody today, it is very countercultural to live like the way God designed it. But I want to say to you, it is honestly that God has the very best for us, and that the, the place of marriage and keeping sex for marriage is because it's a beautiful, safe casing, the, the commitment of marriage within which you can find incredible um, freedom and, and the place to build trust and intimacy. Now, when, when we came to faith and stopped sleeping together, I was so desperate. I was like, ah, oh, this is the end. We're, I'll lose Nikki. You know, we won't be able to express our love to each other. And it was all together the other way around. Actually, we discovered and started to realize we were drawing closer and closer because we learned other ways and uh, to love and show and express love. And, and I think that's open for every single one of us to learn God's ways of loving, of being kind. I mean, in Colossians, Paul talks about um, put on love. And it literally is an, an action of putting on kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. Patience means not getting angry, not expressing um, like a rhino, and all those kinds of things. And we learned that, and we learned a kind of much bigger picture about each other and how to love each other, which has really, and we've continued to learn, and has stood us in good stead over all these years. Can I just ask you one thing on that? Um, 
Yeah, amazing. Um, what, what, what would you say is the difference between marriage and moving in together? So um, I had my hair done the other day, I don't know if you can tell, but I was talking to my hairdresser about, um, about her relationship with her boyfriend, and I was just asking her about marriage. She said, oh, but weddings are so expensive, you know, what's, what's the point of marriage? But what would you say is the difference between marriage and, or just moving in with somebody who you deeply feel committed to for a long period of time? Well, the, the big difference at its heart is marriage is about making that lifelong commitment to each other. It, it, it's, it's about those vows to love each other, whatever happens, through sickness and in health, richer for poorer, etc., etc. And I sort of describe that as a protective casing around our relationship. It is actually, at the end of the day, what builds deep trust. And trust enables us to be vulnerable with each other. And that vulnerability produces the real intimacy. And the problem is, if that real commitment isn't there, we don't have the trust, we won't have the real intimacy. And when we look around us at our society today, uh, cohabiting relationships are breaking down at a far, far faster rate than marriage. Not, you know, we want to do all we can to help marriages to be strong and survive, but... Uh, it's, it's much more stable as a relationship and actually produces a much more intimate relationship. And that's, I, I think at the end of the day, that's what people are longing for. Nikki, just talk a little bit about the whole area of sort of forgiveness. Lots of people here will have had relationships that have had ups and downs. What, what does that mean for us as Christians to forgive? Forgiveness is right at the heart. It's right at the heart of the New Testament. Uh, that, word, that phrase Paul uses, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And that is the message that we're to remember every day. I think every time we say the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And that will be true in every relationship. We will upset each other. We will hurt each other in friendships, in family. And forgiveness is the only way. But, but I think it's, a, it's part of a process. And the New Testament talks about this. Jesus tells us, if you have upset your, your brother or sister, or your husband or wife, whoever it is, go to them, talk to them about it so that you can make things right. And equally then, a little bit later in Matthew 18, he says, if you have been hurt, talk about it. So in both cases, we are to bring it out into the open. And then this process of talking about it, as Silla said earlier, calmly, pleasantly, and then going through a process of apology and forgiveness. This is at the heart of maintaining relationships. And I think, I mean, I think God's design and plan for, for um, marriage and the commitment of marriage to be the place that children, sex happens, a child is born, they grow up, seeing that relationship between a, a, a husband and wife, between their mother and father, it's the way we learn that it's okay to fail. It's okay to get it wrong. We are all going to get it wrong. We are all going to make wrong choices, say wrong things, hurt each other. But there is a way back. And we, you know, as a couple, we can model that. And children need to see that growing up. That it's, I can say sorry, I got it wrong. We forgive, and then there's restoration. And then there's newness. And you can go on being restored again and again and again and again. And that in a marriage, in a friendship, in a parent-child, in a colleague relationship, it's the same in every relationship.
Now, there are many different um, stories here in this room, different backgrounds, different histories. And um, what would you say, what would be your sort of one piece of encouragement to us today? I go first. Um, well, when it boils down to it, I think life is really about relationships, the beginning and the end. Um, Jesus, when he was asked what is the, the most important of the commandments, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that's what it's about. And I think the amazing opportunity that we have as the church is Jesus also said, as you love one another, others will know that you're my disciples, that we can model the love that Jesus has modeled to us. And that is so powerful and attractive to other people who don't know Jesus. And the model of love in the New Testament is about the emphasis being on giving rather than getting. And I think for all of us, so often our instinct is, what can I get from this relationship? But relationships don't work like that. They only work when we focus on what can I give to this other person, whether it's my friend, my mother, my child, my work colleague, my husband or wife, my partner, whatever it is, what can I give? And I remember two days ago hearing a couple called Maurizio and Karina. They did, they were an unusual couple because they did the marriage course and Alpha at the same time. Most couples go from one to the other, but they were neither of them Christians. They came, and they became Christians on Alpha. And I remember Maurizio saying um, that it changed his view of what marriage was about. And he said, before, I would ask myself, what has Karina done for me today? And he said, I started to ask myself, what can I do for Karina today? And then he added, and strangely, that has made me happier. And I thought, wow, that's a profound insight into what Christian relationships are about and why God's ways are the best ways for us. Nikki and Scylla, we love you, and we want to honor you both today. So Nikki and Scylla Lee, everyone. Yeah.